Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What can I do for you, Rod? You just tell me what can I do for you. It's a very personal, very important thing. Are you ready, Jerry? I'm ready. I just want to make sure you're ready, brother. Here it is. Show me the money. Show you the money. Oh, no, no, you can do better than that, Jerry. I want you to say it what you wouldn't mean it, brother. Hey, I got Bob Sugar on the other line. I better hear you say it. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Show you the money. Not, not show you. Show me the money. Show me the money. Yeah. Louder. Show me the money. That's it, brother, but you got to go. Show me the money. I need to feel you, Jerry. Show me the money. Jerry, you better yell. Show me the money. Hello and welcome to another episode of No Holds Bar. Today I'm joined on the phone by Jim Irwood. I'm currently looking at him. You won't see this, but he's in a hammock. He's got sunglasses on and he's in his back garden. It's the way forward. I'm in my front garden. People walking past me on the street are going, what is this lunatic doing? But it's the best place to catch the sun. Yeah. Happy. Fair enough. Uh, Jim, you're, you're an agent, aren't you? You've been an agent. Well, I actually call myself a manager these days, Flav. Well, what's wrong with the, the, the word agent? Well, I think the agent, agent just is the one who kind of rocks up at the training ground and signs the paperwork, whereas the manager is more of an all-encompassing role. It's 365, you know what I mean? <laughs> if they run out of bog roll, they call me, you know what I mean? <laughs> they don't call the agent. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, traditionally agent, but I'm kind of, if, I'm swerving, I'm leaning towards manager. So you started out being a, uh, a poker agent, then you went to football agent, and now you're a talent manager. Um, sorry, I was rocking the hammock there. That's going to make you nauseous. That's right. Um, yeah, so I run I run a, a two talent management companies. So I run a, a sports management company called Extra Time Management. Mm-hmm. First client was Jimmy Bullard, and then I've got guys like Carl Froch, Tony Bellew, Paul Lintz, Paul Merson, you know, a whole bunch of these guys. The Extra Time Management, it was kind of the, uh, the niche I kind of saw was when um, sports people get towards the end of their career yeah. and extra time was kind of the next stage of the career it was kind of a play on words but I have to keep explaining it so it probably wasn't that clever uh, <laughs> but that, that was the idea behind it and, and that's still kind of the idea today um, and then yeah I also um, founded a company called Off Limits Entertainment and we and that's kind of a, a real fun part of this, the, the, the job and we look after Chris Hughes uh, Tommy Fury 
Maura Higgins, Jack Fincham, Shauna Phillips. So a lot of these Love Island girls, a lot of uh, other show, um, uh, talent from other sort of TV shows, Towie, mm. you know, Dancing on Ice, these kind of things. So, yeah, I look after these guys. I put them on TV shows. I do their commercial deals. I do their social media deals. I'm a very busy boy, Flav. You're very lucky to have me. <laughs> uh, I think the message you got, uh, you sent across is I'm free anytime after 11. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, things have died down a little bit, but because uh, the shows aren't being made anymore. But um, yeah. there's going to be an avalanche of requests from our services and my talent one, once this is all over. But we're doing a few deals. We're ticking over. We got a few deals. We did something with KFC this week with Chris and Kem. Mm. Uh, I've got Jimmy and Paul Merson doing it next week. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of the companies are spending their money online now. So it's um, we're all right. We're ticking over. But I've always got time for you, Flav. Look, I'm in my hammock. I've made time for you. That's what I do. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. You the office. The office. Um, so oh, God. The hammock in Stephen is, is, is uh, replaced it. <laughs> uh, I used to work with Jim at Bull Street, which is how we, we know each other. And um, one of the funniest things... One of us, one of us used to work, Flav. <laughs> I never saw you there, to be fair, two days a week. I don't know what we're doing in that content creating room. God knows. <laughs> Just sapping finances from the company. Yeah, exactly. Sapping <laughs> the finances that I bring into the company. Wait, well, you're, look, you're, I, look it, it, it didn't make us feel great that every time we walked into the commercial room, we were just called content monkeys. Content monkeys, correct. Correct. <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what, what's great about Jim? Because he is uh, he's a great storyteller, and um, uh, I want to start at your the the outset. How, how did you come get into a, a agency or working as an agent rather? And, and... Well, well, like most of them, failed failed footballer. You know, um, but I knew pretty early on. I, I was half decent, played for counties and that kind of stuff, captain of the captain schools, England schoolboy squad, but never good enough, Flav. So I kind of realised I had more, you know, more up in my brains, really, than, than I had down in my feet. And so I went to university and, you know, I was telling everyone, like, this is what I wanted to be, this is what I wanted to be. It kind of, it, it dawned on me when I was about 20, you know, that I wanted to be a football agent. Mm. Um and so, you know, this was back when the internet was just coming out. So back then you had to write off to everyone and write letters and that kind of, and, and, and I got a job when I came out of university with a company called the Celebrity Group, um, who were based out in Baker Street. Um, and again, they, they, were like a, they were like a celebrity broker. So imagine if you were a company back in 2000 and you wanted to book, uh, let's say, I don't know, Jamie Rail, bad example, Harry Redknapp or... Or anyone, you know, back then it was Roger Black and people like that, Tim Henman. You know, these guys didn't have Instagram, Twitter, anything else like that. It was very hard to get hold of celebrities back in the day. Mm. So this agency were like a broker. So they'd come to the celebrity group and say, look, okay, we've got this campaign. We, um, we've got like 10 grand to spend. Can you give us a list of people that you can get hold of? And then we'd go to the agent of that play. Let's say it was Ian Wright back in the day. We'd say, okay, right, we've got six grand for this job to go and do a Pepsi shoot. You turn up for the day, have your photo taken, and then we take the four grand commission. Um, and that's what I did, really. I, I, I came in there fresh out of university, office full of women, and, and, and the guy who employed me, all my employees have been lunatic, by the way. This guy was, was no different. He would snort, uh, snort cocaine throughout, through the night um, and do whatever he did upstairs in the penthouse. And then about three o'clock in the afternoon, four o'clock in the afternoon, we've all been there since nine o'clock, he'd come down in his pajamas. At five o'clock, we'd go, and he's going, where's everyone going? And we're like, well, we've been here since nine. But, um, yeah, so that, that was fun, you know, and we did a few bits with celebrities back in the day. Did you, know? you do something uh, with Terry Venables? 
So Terry Venables, we did something with the Terry Venables at two, Madame Two Swords, which is just out the road from Baker Street. And as I said to you, so, so my boss was a, was a nightmare. So he'd, invite, he'd invited Terry Venables round for lunch, right, at Juliet's. I'll never forget. Uh, it's a nice restaurant. And so Terry Venables is there on time. And again, the boss hadn't come downstairs. We're like, oh, this is a nightmare. So the girl's going, well, look, you're the only one who knows about football. Take him round the corner for a drink. So I'm, oh God, how old are I? About 20. So this is like, this is about 1998, 1999. So it's like two years after the Euros where we've done really well. Terry Reynolds was a massive name. <laughs> and I'm like 20 year old, like idiot. And uh, the girl's like, go on, take it for a drink. We'll try and get Ron the boss up. So we come out and oh, you know what London's like. It's like a grid system. You, know, you come out and you turn left and you turn left, you turn left, you turn left again. And you go around a block. So anyway, I take, I take Terry Reynolds. I go left. Right, and I left, and then a short left, and we go into a bar, all bar one. And he's looking, we go, like, What are we doing in here? He's getting harassed. <laughs> Sorry, the phone's getting, he's getting harassed. I'm saying, Look, we just, I just sort of take you for a drink, Ron will be five minutes, we'll have a little drink. And, he and was he's getting like, pestered. I, don't, I don't want a drink. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't want a drink. If I, you know, do I really want a drink of a 20 year old kid who doesn't know what he's talking about? And I'm, I'm like, I'm stalling him, I'm talking to him about, I'm talking about Romario back in the day, or like, I'm, I'm taking about players, and I'm like, I'm running out of stuff to talk to him about here. Um, so no, we come out, right? And mind you, to the office, we've gone left and a short left. I've now gone, I've, to buy myself a few more time, I've gone left, like a long left, then, then a long left, then a long left, like 100 meters, and then a short left back to the office. And he's looking at me going, why did we just turn right and right? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I thought Terry would have a nice walk, you know. And <laughs> just, what just a absolute idiot. Um, and then luckily, I come out and, and Ron, my boss, was ready to take him for the lovely lunch of Juliet's. But that'll be uh, that'll be 25 minutes Terry Venables never gets back in his life. <laughs> uh, that must have been a horrible... Has he given you anything back like in this conversation? I mean, no. why would he? No. I mean, he was a lovely guy, really guy. I mean, he, I mean, if it was Roy Keane, imagine. Um, someone like Roy Keane. But he was, he was a very, very nice guy. I remember that. And he... He tolerated me for 25 minutes, and you know when you're 20, you know when you're when you're a 20 year old kid, you know you don't really know. And we'll come on to this later. That's part of the problem. When you're a manager, stroke agent, you need a bit of age, you need a bit of experience. You know what I mean? To to, to speak with these people, and um, but I say we'll come on to that in a little bit, no doubt. He- uh, Heather Mills. Oh, what a bitch! <laughs> what a bitch Heather Mills was and what? is. I saw her dancing on ice the other day and I'll come back to the story in a minute and I always vow to myself if I ever see Heather Mills I'm going to let her know what I think of her I saw her at Dancing Ice I melted like cheese on toast didn't say anything to her um, so the story so the story so as I said to you right so we get called from PR companies right and I, and, and we, we the company was um, they're holding tennis events all around all around the country Right, and we were providing celebrities to go, whether it was Ian Wright, Roger Black, blah, 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 and I'd go to the sports ones. And one of them, they wanted to have uh, a disabled athlete. Oh, sorry, disabled celebrity. So, you know, back in the day, there wasn't, you know, wasn't, there wasn't many. The para, you know, the Paralympics wasn't really massive back then. So Heather Mills was, was just on the scene. Anyway, so we called her up and we said, Heather, we've got this job for you. Um, the budget's like, and again, don't hold me to figures, something like three grand. We've got three grand for the day. Um, doing it with this company, blah, blah, blah. So she goes, oh, yeah, Newcastle, never forget. She says, yeah, that sounds good. Um, anyway, cut long, boring story short. About two hours later, my boss has come downstairs and he gets a call from the PR company and they're saying, why has Heather Mills called us asking for the job direct and to cut you guys out? Oh, my God. 
right? And because like these PR companies, the reason they employ companies like they don't want to deal, they don't want to deal with celebrities. Celebrities massive pain in the backside. They don't want to deal with that. That's why they hire or speak to the managers or agents or, or these or these brokers. So my boss is livid, and he said, "Well, wait there. She's tried to cut celebrity group out to, so we'd lose our commission." He said, "Jim, you got a caller." So I was like, oh, okay, again, again, <laughs> when you're 20, a bit wet right is. Like, this, this was my problem. This is why I was a failed football agent. And again, we'll come on to that because I was a bit, you know, I was a bit too nice, a bit too soft. Didn't have that edge that I've developed now, which is a, like aggressive, mean little bastard. Um, <laughs> and, you know, if it was now, I would have let her have it. But then I was like, oh, okay. So I'll call her up and say, uh, Heather, can you, uh, I've got a problem here. Can you, can you explain to me? My boss was standing over my shoulder. Like, <laughs> Can you uh, can you uh, please tell me why you've uh, done try to cut our company out commission? I can't do the Geordie accent, but I'll never forget her. She just denied it, just flat out denied it. How dare you? How, I can't do. I say I can't do the Geordie accent. How dare you accuse me of doing this? I've that was like Scottish. I like just flat out denied it. I'm like Heather. I said just. Like, if that's me now, I'm going Heather. Have you lost your marbles? I've just had my client, you lunatic. Pull me up. Back then I was like. Uh, it's a bit awkward, Heather. Like I've just the client just said that you've called. Well, they're completely mistaken. How dare you? I don't operate like this. So this is the day. So that moment on, again, ninety-eight, ninety-nine. I knew she was a money-grabbing bitch, and uh, she 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 got her payday when she got Sir Paul McCartney. That's for sure. And yeah. now everyone hates her. But as I say, <laughs> I saw her literally three months ago, melted like cheese on toast. Didn't say a word. So maybe I'm not as aggressive as I thought I am. No. Uh, and uh, so what? So what happened there then? To, how, how long did you work there? What, did you just cut your teeth there and realise this is not? Yeah, for you? cut my teeth there. Um, again, if anyone's listening to this, one thing I'd say is that was a fantastic grounding for me, and one of not, not regret, but one one lesson I've learned over the years is to build your contact books. If you want to be in this business, it's all about contacts and all the rest of it. Yeah. Uh, and weirdly, like one of the good contacts I made there was Phil Tufnell. Um, and from Phil Tufnell, we, although there was like a 10-year gap, have, still having Phil Tufnell enabled me, you know, 10 years later to build the business I've got. But the, the regret I've, I, I've got is I didn't, you know, I didn't write down all the contacts. I didn't, you know, I had like Sir Jeff Hurst number. You know, my first job was going to meet Sir Jeff Hurst and I had his telephone number and all that. And I, I didn't, make the most of that so it was a great grounding for me and a great um experience for me to, to to understand how agents and celebrities work but um i didn't take everything i should have done from that so if anyone's listening to this they're young you know soak up all the contacts you can get in this business because this business is about um contacts and personal relationships for sure can you stop saying if anyone's listening to it there are people listening to it yeah uh, well this is, yeah okay oh, i've never listened to your podcast before you've now got one listener i know that <laughs> um, yeah no, <laughs> There's loads, all Tottenham fans, I'm sure. So, yeah, indeed. So you're, you're, um, you're, um, you're, so you're saying the reason why you're sitting in the hammock with sunglasses and earbuds in right now is because of Phil Tufnell. Well, yeah. So, so I kind of left that job after after a year, or maybe a year and a half. And at the time, it was a load of dot coms were blowing up, and I went to work for a couple of them. And that was an incredible experience working for them. And I flew to, um, I worked for this company called WorldSport.com. It's not even it's not even open now. And they basically had the on listen to this the online rights for GAFE, which is the General Association of International Sports Federations. And they gave me ten of these federations to manage. Right? I don't know what I don't know what these people were thinking. Um, so I'd fly all around the world, right, to go to these like uh, 
sports events. So I'd go to Milan to watch the International Shooting Sports Federation. I'd go to Brazil for the International Sport, uh, Surfing Federation. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> and what we were meant to be doing was collecting content. I was in charge of cameramen who were filming, right, to stream these events online. Now, you've got to understand with 2020, back, well, I'm going back to 2000 here, right? I'll never forget, we went to Monaco. And we were all in a room. There was like a load of these federations in a room. And the boss of this thing put, he streamed some sport on his laptop, right? And everyone's mouths dropped. Like literally went, what on earth is going on? Like, but this was the future. We were seeing the future right there. Like, you know, now streaming football, it's just, it's just a thing. Mm. Back in 2000, you know, it, it was incredible. And the idea was these sports federations are going to be able to stream their sport and people who liked shooting but lived in Australia but couldn't watch the World Championships because it wasn't on telly, would be able to watch it on the internet. But it was all before its time. So these companies went boom and bust, but fantastic time I had. Mm. Um, and then I went, I ultimately ended up in back in Chicago coaching uh, football, and I got offered a full-time job out there, and it was a bit of a sliding doors moment. Um, I was kind of drifting away from being the agent, and I knew I was, always wanted to be that, and I was offered a full-time job out in Phoenix, or I could come back and have a go at this agent's business. And and I, and I had a girlfriend um, who was back in London. And so I thought, okay, I'll, I'll go back and move in with her. And her sister worked at IMG. I, I, and I'll fast forward a little bit. So I, IMG are kind of the first agents. They created the agency business. And I was working for them. And then cut a long story short, I was I was unhappy. And I, wasn't, I wanted to get into football agency. Mm. And then just one day coming home, I bought an evening standard. This is when you had to buy the evening standard. And I would buy it once once in a blue moon. It was like 35p. I thought, okay, but I'll, I'll, I've got a train journey. Again, there was no real WhatsApp or anything like that. Or back in the day, you read the evening standard. That's what you did. And there was a tiny little um, box said, uh, football agency looking for um, a, a trainee football agent. And, and then turns out the only run that, he only ran that ad on that day. So, you know, timing's everything in life. Yeah. I applied, and after a series of interviews, I got the job. So then I was a, a football agent trainee, trainee football agent. And what does that mean? Like, in that instance, what was you, was you well, coming into contact with? Gave, fo- yeah, so he gave me the job, and it was low salary, man. It was like 13 grand, but this was my chance. And I was now like 22, 23. I was getting on a bit. It's like 12, 13 grand. But here I was at the bottom of the ladder, of the, but at least it was a lad I wanted to climb up. Yeah. Um, and it started me and another lad on the same day. And he kind of, he was, again, I'm still in touch with, with him. His name's Simon Munir. And he's a very successful racehorse owner now. Um, but he, he made his money in stocks. And, uh, and, and, and you know, he, I can't even, you know, I'm so thick I don't even know. But he, he looks after the money of very wealthy people. And he was a massive Arsenal uh, support we won't go down with you guys but he was interested in it and he wanted to see if he could make some money from football agency so he started me and he kind of saw me as the rough diamonds you know the, the cheeky sort of uh, south londoner and he started this really posh guy and we started on the same day um and our job was to sign players go and sign players go and sign players what, so what does that mean do you mean do you, how do you do that and, and well, at what level are you talking well i mean <laughs> i mean he wanted us to go and sign players in the premier league again <laughs> I'm 23, you know, work experience. I've worked for nothing. I've done nothing in and around it. You know, basically go and sign Thierry Henry is what, is what he wanted. It was impossible. You know, it was actually, absolutely impossible. What, you, you know, know, training? Just said, no, go and do it. Like, go, like, the office, he said, you know, you've got, this is, you've got to go and make it yourself. You know, so this is where I realised this is, like, an impossible job. Um, 
and I, and I soon began to hate it. So, you know, like we, the office was right near Arsenal's training ground and like I would follow players home and stuff like that. But I'm following <laughs> a, 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 a cheap little Citroen Saxo. They're in 110 Aston. And I'll never forget the player. He sadly died last year. The Arsenal player, little, little Spanish guy. Um, he died. Do you remember the one I'm talking about? Little winger, Jose Reyes, is it? Something like that? Oh, yeah, he died in a, in a car accident or something. I never... Uh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Didn't he? Oh, mate. Well, this makes this story even worse. Oh. I was following home. He was driving like a lunatic. Really? Uh, I, and I'm trying to follow him from, in a Citroen Saxo. <laughs> so I'm going through red lights and everything. Just so I can find out where he lives. So I can introduce myself or send a, put a letter through his letterbox. It was like that. I'd go to reserve games, right? Um, and this story will interest you. So obviously, you know, the, the, the Spurs story, uh, sorry, the Spurs reserves play at Stevenage, mm -hmm. which is where I met my wife and married. I was living. So that was all, always good for me, Spurs reserves game, because, you know, I'd go all over the place. I'd go to Colchester reserves and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, that's a trek. With Steve, Spurs reserves was, you know, Stevenage just down the road. Happy days. So you'd watch the game and invariably it was low standard. And then you'd you'd have to wait in the car park. So you'd wait in the car park, and these players are just—they're preening themselves. I'm like, come on, like, get in there, wash your bits, get out. No, 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 no. It's—they're it, in there for hours. So, you, any what, age. Year, what year is this, Jim? So we got well, 2005 ish, something like that. 2005, mm. 2006. Um, I, well, you—you you tell me. So the player I was after was was uh, Phil Eiffel. <laughs> yeah, you played. I think you played one or two games for us. A right yeah, back, wasn't he? Braided, braided hair. That's right. I, I, yeah. Player, like sometimes you'd see a player you really fancy. Sometimes you'd get it wrong. Like you'd, you'd see a player, and I got it spectacularly wrong. I'll come to that and remind me about Ashley Young in a minute. Um, but Phil Alpha really fancied him. Thought he's a real decent player. Anyway, so I waited for him in the car park. It's dark. It's freezing cold. I eventually go up to him. Um, like you get like ten seconds. Like Phil, like here's my stuff. Would love to speak to you. And he and invariably they look at you like you're an alien. Mm. Like you know. And then and I gave it to him. And about 30 seconds later, some, a big a big group of lads, about three lads come up to me and said, you ever speak to that player again, we're going to break your legs. <laughs> um, because he was obviously a prospect. And where there's prospect in the football agency world, there's money. And if there's money, invariably there's people who are going to protect that money. And that's what they were doing. But, but Jim, um, isn't he, wouldn't he have had an agent already? Well, the, yeah, I think those agent, those guys work for his agent. That, that's the point and, I make. But what can but, you do if that is the case? Well, you, well, you never, well, a lot of the time, I mean... Uh, a lot of the times the players are unhappy or if you again if i know now what i, I knew then you go in and promise them the world you've got to be a ruthless bugger you know what i mean but i wasn't ruthless i always tried to play the nice guy they're not looking for nice guys they're looking for guys who can get them that move get them out of the reserve team spurs playing in stevenage getting them playing in the first team on a saturday mm -hmm. you need to be you know so um so that's so, so that's the nuts and bolts of it you'd be all you'd be going around and, and, and promising but so i took a bit of initiative so, again, back before there was Facebook, there was a thing called Friends Reunited. <laughs> I was the first player. No, so this is, this is the, I'll give myself a bit of credit. Look, I'll slag myself where it deserves, but I'll give myself a bit of credit. So Friends Reunited, I was going around looking for the players. I'd go on the BBC website. I'd go through the squads. And like, if it's Adam Smith, you've had it because you go on Friends Reunited. There's like 100 friends. But if there was someone like an Ashley Williams, right, and you go, bang, okay, he, there he is, and you find him on Friends Reunited. So I signed Ashley Williams from Friends Reunited. <laughs> I was, I'm pretty sure I was, because I was so crap at, at, at outside the ground and intimidated. I would just, I, would, I went through the social route, and I was the first agent I think who, who went down that route. And I signed, I had Friends Reunited all to myself, and I got a few players from that. And, and Ashley Williams was the best one. So Ashley Williams uh, is a sort of former uh, Wales captain. 
Yeah. And because uh, of me. Defender. Right. Because well, of me. Let's, 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 so you signed Ashley Williams. What, what, what does that mean? So, he's, he's a big deal. And, and, and how, how's that so relationship? It wasn't a big deal. He'd only just signed for Stockpool. Stockpool. But he was doing really well. He was playing at Stockpool, right? And um, I went up and met him and his mum um, and his dad, Errol, and really nice people. And, you know, they took to me and we're like, well, you know, they, we were at the same level. I was a crap agent and he was like a, a lower le- level football. So it kind of worked well. And I would bust the gut for him. And I did bust the gut for him. And I'll tell you what, I managed him perfectly. Um, and because like, I got a call from Dean Saunders, Mm. who was scouting for the Welsh national team. No, I didn't. That's a lie. I got a call from the mum, said, you know, um, she's thick brummy. She goes, you know, Ashley could play for Wales, don't you? Uh, through my granddad or something. I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I called the Welsh FA and then Dean Saunders called me. Uh, he said, I'm going to go and watch him. Went and watched him, said, Jim, we're interested. John Toshak's really interested in playing for Wales. So I'm like, right, I'm going to I'll call Ash. So I spoke to Ash and Ash's like, nah, I, I don't want to play for Wales. I want to play for England. And I was like, <laughs> Ash, Ash, I love you, but you're playing at Stockport County. You know what I mean? You've got John Terry, Rio Ferdinand, like a host of centre-halves ahead of you. He's like, nah, I want to play for England. I said, well, look, just look. And to cut a long story short, I said, look, if you, if you play for Wales, you'll get your move because all players want to get their move. I said, the chances are Cardiff. Because back in the day, if you played for Wales, invariably you played for Cardiff, which was, you know, in the championship. Um, anyway, fair enough, he... he he, he took my advice, eventually got his cap for Wales and Cardiff and Swansea come in for him. And, and Cardiff was being, was a shit show, was being run by Peter Ridsdale. And then Swansea, Swansea, who had always been awful, was starting to come good. And they signed this new manager, Roberto Martinez. Um, and he, they said, I want, want to play Ash, want to uh, use Ashley. And, and it all came to a head. He was, he'd flown back from somewhere, Welsh International Jet, and he was sat somewhere in the M4 and he was either going to go and sign for Cardiff or he was going to go and sign for Swansea. And anyway, cutting story short, he, he went to sign for Swansea and he, he smashed it up there. And this is where my love affair now had come to an end because I'd done everything for Ash I could possibly do. I advised him really well and I negotiated his contract. Swansea, really good deal. And if he triggered X, he'd get a bonus and he got that. So I couldn't have done any better. And he was playing in the championship. And this is where, again, the love affair kind of ends out there. So whenever a player starts to do well, you know what I mean? The championship. All the other agents are like this. They're like meerkats. Who's this fella? You know what I mean? Right. What we do is we use one of our players to get into him. So I always blame Rio Ferdinand, but it was actually Danny Gabidon. Actually, Danny Gabidon told me when we did something at Ball Street. Yeah, I think he, I was there. Yeah, he, he was like, what? Yeah, he mugged me right off. He goes, yeah, it was me. He, I put me, uh, I put me uh, arm around Ashley. He said, lose this agent, Jim. Get rid of him. Come and join the big boys. And uh, like when my first daughter was born, Ashley sent me presents. We were tight as tight can be. But when you've got you know, that peer pressure and you've got that come and but come and sign with the big boys. I get it. I totally get it. And he went and signed with New Era, which was um, Rio Ferdinand's company. Um, Jim, what I would say, though, cause you sound quite bitter about that. But but no, 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 oh, no, no, not at all. Right. It, 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 do you know what? It, it gave me the biggest lesson. I've. So here's the lesson. So I was kind of I'd I'd secured a job in Vegas. Right. Um, that's another story bloke said you want to come and interview vegas i went uh, yes please correct um so ash ash was like a mate and i'd wished nothing but the best for him right but he was in a contract with our agency that that had three transfer windows left right and i'm like i don't care like ash i wish you were the best let me see if i can get you out of the contract you know go on and have the best career you can so my boss talked he said to me no are you mad he said no he's with us he signed a contract if we, we'll get a lawyer on it 
And if he signs a new contract with Swansea or if he moves in the next three transfer windows, we'll get X amount. So the lawyer negotiate this huge fee, right? So here's the funny story. So I've now moved job. I've working for this company in Vegas. But every day now, I'm, every day I'm checking Sky Sports News, has Ashley Williams signed for a new club or signed a new contract? I'm literally refreshing the page, check, check. And the first two transfer windows come and go. And I'm like, oh, this just ain't happening. It's not happening. You want and this it, to happen, right? Of course I do, because I'm on for a 50% cut of a six-figure fee, <laughs> which is like my would have been my biggest payday. I would, I'll take the biggest payday would have been the Milan Barros story. We'll come on to that in a second. But <laughs> I was so if so, let me just reiterate the story. Yeah, we had him for a contract for three more transfer windows. If Ashley Williams um, signed with anyone else or or did a new contract with Swansea, we would get a, a big six-figure fee. So we're now in the last transfer window and we're like three days left. Like, you know, Ball Street probably warming up to do their transfer deadline day business. Right. I'm I'm playing on the golf course and all my majors. I'll be boring my mates about this, you know, this clause in the contract. You know, they've all had enough of it. And my best mate's gone. He says, how many days you left? You got I said, it's like two days left. He says, obviously not going to happen. Go home that night from playing golf, refresh Sky Sports, top of the thing, Ashley Williams renews contract with Swansea. With, uh, Swansea. I cannot believe my luck. <laughs> Jump out my seat, ring my boss, bang, the next day the lawyers put the letter in, the invoice has gone in. About a week later, you know, this huge lump sum's come in. And so the oh, so it was paid? Yeah, we got paid a huge amount. So the point I'm making is I wasn't bitter at all. What it taught me was don't be the nice guy. You can't be the nice guy. Well, I was prepared to let, you know, let this guy have the three chance with us, go and sign for... But my boss like, no, why should we? And, and he's right. And I'm, in hindsight, I make him right. And it mm. taught me, look, you can't always be the nice guy. You know, he was prepared to leave me and go to New Era. So, uh, Levi, you know, which is, which is his prerogative. It was our prerogative to keep him in the transfer, uh, in, in the contract that we had. And, you know, he, he had to pay. And, mm. uh, and I got a really nice uh, lump sum out of it. So, you know, and actually went on to have a fantastic career. You know, the money he paid us was, you know, very insignificant. Uh, ultimately to him but it, it taught me a massive lesson so yeah good you good mentioned stuff. something i've heard you say before and it, i hate it and i hated it when you said it and i hate it now when you say it is that every player wants to move yeah. if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers with juvederm volbella xc and juvederm ultra xc your lip look whether it's subtle or bold can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at juvederm.com today that's j-u-v-e-d-e-r-m.com add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with juvederm volbella xc or juvederm ultra xc do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. And I, I stamp, I said that, I said that. Never believed that till I got into the business. And, and it's the truth. And fans don't like it, but it's the truth. And I said, and the example I used five years ago when I did that YouTube series was Harry Kane. And I still use that. It doesn't matter. Harry Kane will want a transfer, right? And he'll say all the right things. Of course he will. Of course he has to say that. But behind the scenes, he will be on his agent. What is happening? Get Like, where are Madrid? Where are, you know, Man City? And, and it's the truth, mate, because it's a short-lived career. Right, and they and, and they want the money. They want the money, and they want a bigger move. They want a bigger club. But can't um, they just get the money by signing signing a new contract? Yeah, okay. It's not always about the money, you know. And and, and I'm not digging Tottenham out here, you know, because Arsenal rubbish at the moment. But if Harry Kane was Arsenal, it'd be exactly the same thing. You know, he'd want to move to a club that are doing better. That, whether it's a Man City, you know, I'm not saying it's United at the moment, but. <laughs> whoever it is, whether it's a Real Madrid or Barcelona, because he's one of the best players in the world. Mm. So he wants to be playing for one. Like, it's, it's just the truth. The, the, if, if you're playing in the conference, you want to play in League Two. If you're playing League Two, you want to play in League One. If you're playing League One, you want to play Championship. If you're in the Championship, you're in the Premier League. If you're in the Premier League, you want to be at a big Premier League club. It's just the way the players are. And and they're on there. And, and I know agents get a lot of heat, and they deserve it, right? And I get that. But you've got to understand that a lot of the time they're being pushed every single day by their player. Their player's on their on their bollocks. Where's my move? Where's my new contract? This manager's a twat. Oh, I don't want to play for this. It's, it's constant. It's, mm. it, every agent knows what I'm saying is the truth. Unfortunately, the fans don't don't believe what I'm saying, but I've got no reason to lie. I'm not in the business anymore. It's just the truth. It's, Jim, it's the reality. Jim, tell me about Sam Sodji. How did you sign him? Um, yeah, my first my first client was a client called Kevin Betsy. He played for Wickham, thought he should be playing for Real Madrid. Not kidding. Uh, don't know whatever happened to him, but again, just unbelievable. Thought the ability he had in his head compared to what he actually had was 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 you know again it was just sickening. They call you up and where's my move? You know, back again it was now. I say, well, you move, you ain't getting a move because you're shit. You know what I mean? But back then you're like, oh look, I'm sure it happened. Blah blah blah. Anyway, that was Kevin Betsy. Sam Sodji was my second client, so I'm trying to get him moves. And unbeknownst to me, he's putting them in. He's scoring own goals. He's getting red cards because he's working for some sort of Nigerian betting syndicate. It's all over. So what chance did I have, Flab? What chance did I have? What was the story about Sam's agent? No one I call myself the washed up agent on Snapchat. (laughs) Sam Sodji, didn't he... um... What's the story about him like driving him somewhere? Is it Boxing Day? Christmas Box- Day. So he, called, so he called me Christmas Day. Or was it Boxing Day? Yeah, it must have been Boxing Day. It must have been Boxing Day. And he lived in deepest, darkest... Uh, uh, where does he live? Uh, Jack Fincham lives there now. Uh, and Jack won't mind me saying, a bit of a dump. Um, rough, rough area near Tower Hamlet, something like that. Right. Um, and uh, he said, Jim... Uh, I won't do Nigerian accent because it would upset everyone. But um, <laughs> he, he said, Jim, I need a lift. 
I'm like, it's Boxing Day. You know, we, you know, with my, I don't know if I had kids in, but I was with my family. Boxing Day, I want to get pissed. I need a lift. So I had to drive to, you know, deepest, darkest, wherever it was, um, and uh, give him a lift to drive him to Brent, Brentford, where he was playing and carving up a crib. But I had to lend him, I had to lend him money. Yeah, I mean, this was the other thing as well. A lot of the players I dealt with earning a, a lot more money than I was, a lot more money, but they'd come to me for loans. Because, again, what I've realised, if you're earning two and spending one, you're in a much better position than if you're earning 100 but spending 120, mm. which is what a lot of these guys would do. Oh, mate, it's horrendous business. Horrendous, horrendous business. And I wasn't ready for it. So how long was you was you a football agent for? When 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 did it sort of uh, stop? I, I reckon I, I don't know. I, again, I don't look. I don't. I imagine, I imagine about three four years. I got my license. You needed. You had to get your license. which was really tough. You had to pay, pass an exam. Sixty. I found it the other day actually. You had to get sixty six percent, and uh, I scraped through. Got sixty seven percent. Hard. <laughs> really hard. The, the the pass rate was really low. Um, so actually, I was, that's something I was quite proud of. But um, I just I just I, it was just a catalogue. Things didn't go well for me. Like. The, the Milan Barros, let's come on to that one and John Carew story. So, yeah, go on. Again, I, I, a successful agent needs to have a good scout, good network and, uh, of, of scouts. And, and I had a good one at Villa, a really nice guy at Villa. And he was looking for a striker. And I, again, because the majority of the players in England um, that could earn you money were signed up by the biggest agents, someone like me, I had to look abroad. I had to sort of, you know, uh, think, OK, well, let me see if I can work with a foreign agent and see if I can bring his player in. So I was working with this French agent who was connected with Monaco and he said uh, said Jim like uh, if we can sell John Carew right we'll get a nice chunk of money so I knew Villa were, were after a big you know powerful striker so I called up Villa scout I think his name was Graham uh, Graham Carr I think it was anyway and he uh, within an hour Martin O'Neill was on the phone to me a strong Irish accent again you know my pedigree for accents I won't do that but you know very recognisable voice and again you go oh shit this is Martin O'Neill this is serious he said Jim yeah, I really like him again I'm not going to do the accent I did that was, that was Southern Ireland <laughs> that bad though <laughs> yeah that was Southern he goes, but in that low he says I really like he's powerful play he's my kind of player so I was like great fantastic called a French agent yeah Monaco bang this is the price it was something like I can't remember but something like one Two million, 1.62 million, something like that. And we were going to get a nice chunk of that change as the agent sent it up. Anyway, would you believe it? This was how my luck went as an agent. I don't think a deal's been done like this since that deal. They did a fucking swap deal. Have you ever heard anything like it? Milan Barros went the other way. John Carew, they found two players, identical value. Can You couldn't make it up. You couldn't make it up. They swapped players. So no, no. They just swapped registration forms, essentially. Swap, just swap players. I mean, I, 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 honestly, you say I was bit about the Ashley Williams one. I wasn't. I'm bit about that one. How's your luck? I made that deal happen. What do I get? Nothing. I was like, this ain't the business for me, Flav. I'm getting out of it. I'm going to Vegas. <laughs> they, uh, they. Um, so, so you often hear in the newspapers, don't you, about swap deals? And and you're yeah. saying they're nonsense. They don't happen yeah. apart from that one time. Well, again, I might be blighted. I, you know, again, I. Maybe they do happen more often, but it just felt like at the time there was money swishing around in the game. And hang about, no, Jimmy Irwin finds the only swap deal ever. Unbelievable. <laughs> and you didn't but get a penny out of it? Didn't get a penny out of it. There's probably more that goes on. I'm exaggerating as I tend to do, but it just felt, oh God, you know, it just kind of felt that was the signs. That was an, another like nail in the coffin. Um, so then you, I know you did the poker, the, the, you became a poker um, agent. I don't know how, yeah. what that even means. Like, what, why, oh. why, why would a poker player need an agent? Have we got time? Are we going over time here? What, have you got time? That's more to the point. Oh, I've got loads of time. Oh. Um, uh, no, no, we're so good. 
I was again just opportunity really you know I, I, I'm a guy who lives off opportunities and I was watching a lot of poker at the time on telly um, just to, to null the pain I think of being a football agent and um, I started recognising the faces and who the big names were and I saw that they had patches on their on you know like sponsorship deals so literally I was like well I wonder who's doing these I wonder if there's I wonder if there's a thing such as poker agent and again, this is before 4G and all that. So I had to wait the next day to get an internet at work. And I literally went and he said, is like poker, a Google poker agent. And uh, one guy come up in England uh, who owned a strip club. I was like, oh, okay, okay, that's good. And then there was this one agency in Vegas who had them all. Like They had like the Ronaldo's, the Messi's of the poker world. And literally that afternoon, I sent him an email from a Hotmail account and said, look, I'm a football agent. I'm unhappy. Um, I'm, I've been watching a lot of poker. There's European players. If you're looking for anyone to open up your business this side of uh, the world, let me know. Got an email that night saying, I've been looking for you for two years. Um, I was a, this guy, his name's Brian Bowlesburg, another incredible boss of mine. Um, he, he was a, he was a, like a failed golf agent. He'd lived my story in golf, realized it was too competitive. Mm. Um, and he found an opportunity, he moved to Vegas and he'd set up this agency. He'd signed the best poker players in the world, absolutely creaming it in. And he took pity on poor old Jimmy Irwood, asked me for an interview in Vegas. I mean, again, what 27-year-old's going to say no to that? Was he going to fly you um, over or did you have to get your own flights? Yeah, he flew me over to, yeah, so he flew me over to Vegas, literally uh, interviewed me in a casino. And uh, that was it. He said, OK, right, you're my director of European operations. And Flav, what a job this was, by the way. Oh, my God. Like, if, if it hadn't all gone wrong, <laughs> <laughs> I'd still be doing it now. What was it? Tell so, me why, why it was such a great job and then how it all went wrong. Okay, so again, it's, it's quite a co- long, convoluted story. But the po- like, imagine, you know, like the football, we have the Euros and the, the World Cup every four years. Poker has the World Series of Poker every single year in Las Vegas, right? And it's a whole bunch of events and blah, 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 blah. And there's this huge event called, it's like the main event. And to get in it, you have to pay $10,000 or you have to get there through a sponsor. Right. And this was like the, this is where the company made the majority of their money. So there'd be something like six thousand people went to this tournament, all paying ten thousand dollars and all in a big hall. And there'd be two uh, two tables that would be on ESPN. And our job. So they put three famous players on this table. Right. Like, again, you know, like a Phil Helmuth, uh, a Texas Dolly, a Daniel Negrano, massive names in the poker world. They'd be on that table. ESPN be filming it. And then, like, Joe Random, Gary Flavelle could rock up from England, right? And you're on the feature table playing with them. So my job would be grab you. I'd grab you. I'd say, right, you're, you're uh, Flav, right? Um, right, now, look, if you, you're going on the feature table, I'll give you $10,000 right now for you to wear this patch, to wear this Poker Stars patch, Right. right? And you'd look at me like, what, you're going to give me $10,000? I said, I'm going to give you $10,000. You're going to put that patch in there. You're going to go on the feature table. So my, so we'd be hustling for trying to find these Gary Favelles all around the casino who, who'd been lucky enough to go on a feature table. And as the field got smaller, these bonuses would go up and up and up and up and up. But here's the beauty, right? So Nike Adidas, right? There was Poker Stars and Full Tilt. So let's say you, Flav, from England are now a chip leader. You're, there's like 60 people left, right? You still haven't got a patch deal, right? Poker Stars would call me up and say, right, we've got to get this Gary Flavelle in a Poker Stars patch. He's going to get a lot of camera time as the chip leader. So, Flav, I could go to you now and say, right, Flav, I'm going to give you $60,000, mm. right? If you win the main event, you're going to get a million dollars. If you come second, you're going to get $500,000. You'd look at me. You'd snap my hand off. 
right? Right, and we've commissioned all these at 20%, right? But here's the beauty. So let's say, yeah, right, Flash said yes to PokerStars. I then call up Full Tilt, who were the competitor. I said, right, PokerStars have got him. Full Tilt would then throw an extra 20, 30 grand to our company or to, to the player, and we just we just play them off each other. It was like Nike and Adidas, like Pepsi and Coke. Yeah. And the, the money involved, and I was fantastic because I was would always find the last woman. The last woman was always worth loads in this event. So I'd always work the old London magic, London charm, find the final women, and, and she was guaranteed at least 100 grand to wear a patch. Mm. Call them up and we play the two off. Oh, what a job, Flav. And <laughs> so my first client, he was this Danish fella, Peter Eastgate. I put him in a patch. He won the main event. He won $9.1 million. Oh, my God. Right? It was a $1 million bonus, which my company got $200,000 of. He was my client. It was my first signing. And uh, and I'd literally been in the job two months. And yeah. my very kindly gave me 10000 of that. Um, but what a guy this guy Peter Eastgate was, right? So he won all this money. I'll never forget this story quickly. So he's won this $9.1 million. He's won $1 million. But he's got $10 million bonus in his account. We've got Jay Leno want him to come on the show. We All these opportunities, he's like, oh, Jim, I just want to go home to watch <laughs> That was my Danish accent. I just to fly home to watch Arsenal. Really shy, introverted kid. So, to go home. so yeah, so I'm like, okay, all right, we'll fly, I'll come, I'll fly home with you. So I'm thinking, right, okay, we're gonna get, we're gonna get an upgrade here. So he goes and gets the ticket, and he comes back. His face looks like he's been absolutely mauled. I'm like, what's the matter, Peter? He goes, oh, the flight cost me three thousand dollars. I said, is that for the upgrade, yeah, for you and me? He goes, no, no, that's for my economy ticket. I'm like, oh my, this kid. You've won $10 million. The time you fly back, the interest would have paid for both our business class. <laughs> Absolutely gutted. Such an introvert. About two months later for our company newsletter, my boss says, look, we'll just ask him what he spent his money on. So I said, Peter, you know, what have you spent your money on? He looks at me for about a minute. Like, like I've asked him, you know, like to, to define Albert Einstein's formula. Like, no, it's nothing. He's looking at me. Uh, he said, uh, just say bicycle. I went, what? <laughs> What? $10 million? I bought, he said, yeah, just say bicycle. I bought myself a top-of-range bicycle. I said, have you? He went, no. I said, this kid not now just fucking give me $10 million. I'd be in Vegas. I'd still be in Vegas. You know, I would never have left. Could have gone strippers, whores, the lot, nothing. He wanted to go back, fly economy, and buy a bike, which he didn't buy. Unbelievable. So, so do you want to know how this went wrong? Yes. The, I would have stayed in this job forever. It was the best job, earning money. So, full tilt. Basically, like if I put, if I was you, like they were making their money. They were online poker companies, right? So let's say Jimmy Earl deposits hundred dollars on full tilt, right? The what was meant to happen is that money was meant to be safeguarded. Oh no, no, no! Full tilt, basically, were using that money to spend on, you know, buying Peter Eastgate, putting him in patches. Unbelievable! So they didn't and, have the money in the bank. No, they didn't have the money in the bank, oh and God. then the government, because it was online, on, it was illegal to play online in America. Yeah. And party poker used to be the biggest one, but they obeyed and come out and played in Europe. These poker stars at full tilt didn't. They just made millions and millions and millions of dollars. But then it was something called Black Friday. And you got They went on the website, and that big eagle Department of Justice was on the website, and it closed these websites down. And full tilt had been, you know, stealing money. And poker stars had been uh, operating perfectly, perfectly well, and as they should. And poker stars just at, just at full tilt. So then when it came to budgets and marketing budgets, they were, they were the only player in town. So instead of offering 10, 50,000, they could offer 2,000 because mm. they, they were the only player in town. So it all went wrong. Uh, so that was up. That was it for me. That was it for me in that business. All right. Um, so we're closing, we, we, we'll, we will round this up now, but I just want to, um, 
I want to talk to you about your what you're currently doing now. Yeah. Um, so you. All oh, right. So let's go full circle, to Phil Tufnell. Right. So let's go. For, so remember <laughs> Phil Tufnell. Yeah. Yeah. Phil Tufnell. I had still had his number from that first job, and I knew. And then I found a booker, who I knew uh, as a friend of a friend, friend of a family, worked for I'm a Celebrity. So I was like, Tuffers, had a mate, Jimmy over there, don't remember me. Um, we used to do 500 pounds speaking gigs in London. Do you want to go on I'm a Celebrity? And he's going, yeah. So I set the interview up and then again, he went on and his agent took it over from there. I didn't get a penny of the commission. Um, and Phil Tuffnell was kind of very, nobody had really heard of him. He was, and then, but he came off and he, he I think he won it. Mm. And he went on to do the one show, DFS adverts, question of sport. It just launched his career. And then just a big light bulb went off. I was like, okay, this is what this is what I can do. I can do this. I just need to find my Phil Tufnell. And then I went and found him, Jimmy Bullard. And the, the, the rest is history, you know, and that's what I do. I, I, I plug Jimmy into I'm a Celebrity. Just quickly, first quick story about Jimmy. The first meeting I had with Jimmy, right, we met like the boss of ITV. When I'm a Celebrity win and they pick up the awards, like she was always there. So it's my first meeting with Jimmy. And we go in, I had Jimmy, and I, was, I didn't really know how to work Jimmy at the time or handle him. And uh, this woman had a really unfortunate laugh like this, <laughs> like that, one of them. So I'm like, okay, we deal with it. It's professional. Yeah, I'm now professional. So she's done it the fourth time. Jimmy stopped this meeting. It's about five people. He's gone, hold up, love. What is that laugh all about? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no, Jim. And then, but she, she, she liked it. We didn't get on that year, but we got on the, like, Jimmy asked me to take over his social media. And everything went from there, really. I owe a lot to Jimmy. And then from Jimmy came Carl Froch and Froch came Tony Belly. And, the, and that's the way it works. And, you know, Paul Merson. And, and now, you know, I look after all these incredible characters. And I love life. I love what I do. I'm really good at what I do. I found something I'm good at. You know, I wasn't good at an agent because I wasn't ready for it. It's about, you know, it's just timing. Life is about timing. And so that Phil Tufnell thing I took, you know, it all came full circle, but I was ready to take advantage of it. Um, and now, you know, I'm, I, I say I'm good at what I do. I work really hard on my clients and I know everyone in the business. I know all the casting agencies. So the, so the shows come to me now. I said, Jim, what, which, which, uh, what talent have you got for this show? What talent have you got for this show? What talent have you got for this show? And that's how it comes, you know, and I'm <laughs> So like Carl Froch, if he's not right, I can call a Tony Belly. Tony goes, no, why don't you call, I don't know, someone like Dave Coldwell. So, uh, you know, I just love what I do now. I, and I, I, it's just a perfect, my experience is perfect. It's just... Jim, I remember you, know, you mentioned, I, I, you mentioned yeah. about um, having these gigs that, um, that you just want like someone like Jimmy Bullard to do, but they're just like, won't get out of bed or just can't be asked because it's not easy enough. And yeah. like, every time they say yeah. no, you, you're, you're losing money. Yeah, Paul Lynch cost me 52 grand commission because he wouldn't do I'm a Celebrity. It's hard to, the is well, it's hard to train like a champion when you sleep, sleep in silk sheets, you know. Yeah. That's one problem with these boys, you know. If, you know, they've earned, a lot of them have, have got a lot of money in the bank, so it's hard to, it's hard to motivate them. But that's why I like the, that's why a part of me has gone over to, have come over to these Love Island guys because they have, they've had no money, they've had no money. And, you know, and, and they will, they will uh, do these jobs, you know, yeah. so. I've got the perfect mix now, you know, if Jimmy doesn't want to do a job for whatever reason. And, you know, they have to be selective, you know, these guys, because, you know, they've earned that right. Um, the Love Island guys, not so much. They can be a little bit less, um, a little bit less choosy, you know, yeah, and if yeah. it comes, they'll have to take. So that's why I've got the perfect balance, really. You yeah, said you work with Tony Bellew? Yeah, so Tony... Is he, is he, he seems quite scary. He's lovely, actually. Do you know what? He's the best payer as well. Tony, as soon as that money's in his account, he pays you his commission. Does he? Um, just as straight as they come, Scouser, hard as nails. 
but actually lovely family guy, you know, like that he's on SAS at the moment and I booked him for that. I just, again, I know the booker and I said, and they, they weren't really sold on him. I said, just listen to me. I've got that power and I've got that clout. I said, just listen to me, take a meeting with him and you'll see what I'm talking about because he's got layers. Tony's got layers. If you scratch at the surface, there's a lot there. He's a very deep individual. Um, and uh, two years in the making, we got him on the show. And I don't know if you watched that first episode of Sunday. He stole I the show. I, you, I bet you was going, please don't hit him. Please don't hit him. <laughs> <laughs> please do not hit those people. Oh, well, actually, I wouldn't mind if he chinned a couple of them. A couple of them annoying. But no, he's just perfect. When he's just absolutely perfect. And that's that's what I'm good at now. I'm, I'm, I'm good at mixing the right talent for the right show. Um, and Tony was was made for that show and uh yeah so and, and he wasn't but then he i booked him for league of their own and um he's he, he's brilliant on that show as well so didn't uh, he hurt his back once and he's like threatening to sue or something well there was yeah so that was a story as well so there was a there was a you know league of their own they do these bits don't they like challenges and one of them was uh while the other uh, team are answering questions yeah. you've got to fight this karate guy <laughs> and it was him and Romish I think or someone like that and this karate guy absolutely took diabolical liberties um, and put like, Tony really was going to go for him um, and he'd done his back and I remember like he had a cushion he, like he, he'd driven to the, the studio and I spoke to him the next day he said Jim I couldn't sleep all night literally had a fight I had to call Eddie Hearn the next morning say Eddie look I've got a bit of a situation here um, I know Tony's fighting a couple of months this karate fella's done him um but eddie was eddie's like oh tony tends to overreact and he was all right in the end but yeah no it's there's, there's so many stories mate flav i know i've run on mate and no but well, it's been great thank you it's only, only scratch the surface but it's fun it's a it's a gig you know it's a funny gig and i love what i do jim I, I, we did have many many discussions about you helping me out in in my career which you you just haven't done you seem to help a lot of other people out. you've made poker well, people you know, just helping you out in it what this is helping you out. i'm giving you golden content here well, you, yeah kind of but i mean like like, do what your magic. What would you like? What are your aspirations? What are your goals? What are your targets? Uh, I need your to buy a house. Point. I want to buy a house. Like What's your unique selling point? I'll, I'll come back to you, but as soon as I've got it... As as you I've let me it, know, yeah. and I'll wave the magic wand over here. <laughs> Love it. Jim, thanks so much, mate. Thanks for your time. No, you're doing really well, Flav. I'm really pleased for you, mate, and uh, it's lovely to touch base. Yeah. Anytime you want more stories, give us a shout. You know where to come. Definitely. Thank you, Jim. Take care. Enjoy your hammock. Cheers, pal. Bye.